Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love the boxing and MMA, this is the show for you. Find an extra of myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis. Today, we're going to talk a disappointing night for Sonny Edwards. The flyweight failed in his attempt to unify the world titles on Saturday night against Bam Rodriguez. We're going to talk what next for both men. One of the biggest cards in recent years goes down this weekend in Saudi Arabia. Myself and Gareth will be there for the day of reckoning as both Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder are in action. We're going to look ahead to both of those fights and hear from the Bronze Bomber who spoke with Gareth recently. We'll also talk the best of the rest of the card, the likes of Dimitri Bibble in action, Daniel Dubois and Jaya Pattaya all involved. Look, loads to go through as always. This is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. I was very emotional for me. This guy used my, my dad's death as entertainment. He used my dad's murder as entertainment, and it took a lot for me to calm down, stay focused, and come in this fight, you know. And I thought to my coaches, spoke to my mom, and I kind of just shut it all down, you know. Compete hard against Kamar Usman, won that beat twice, and so he's a, he's a great competitor, but just a dirty human being. I don't think this is going to be a, a, a long, drawn out fight, if you ask me. I think it's going to be over with before you know it. Uh, I'm a type of fire that you, you sit on the edge of your seat because you don't know what's going to happen. But when it happened, bam. An amazing situation, but it's fantastic to be involved. And it, uh, the most important thing is brilliant for the fans, as you say. You know, 10 of the top 15 heavyweights in the world. And out of this show, we're going to see, well, we're going to see some future fights develop with the winners. That's for sure. Some great fight come from it. Mr. Gareth A. Davis, how are we, sir? It's an early one today. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, I think, the we're right in the heart of the storm at the moment, right in the eye of the storm with, with everything going on around us. Um, there's a lot of good news in boxing um, and a lot of upsets at the moment and a lot of different things happening from debates in women's boxing to people not living up to what they say they could do. Um, to people then accepting it. It's been one of those kind of weekends. And I think we might get a little bit of that in the weekend coming as well, Eddie. Yeah, we've still got two big fight cards to go, or two, at least two fight cards and one sort of big fight. So what I mean is Inoue uh, Tapales coming up for an undisputed uh, contest and obviously Day of Reckoning. Putting those to the side very quickly, I know we're probably going to do this next week anyway when we give our awards out. But how would you score this year as a whole? 2023, year of boxing, what would you give it? 
Um, out of ten, yeah, I'm giving it a nine. Nine out of ten, definitely a nine out of ten. Look at look at what's changed in the boxing world this year. The potential that there is now with investment in it. What what we've achieved with the heavyweight division. What we're looking forward to in 2024. Um, development of women's boxing. I still think it's got a massively long way to go, um, but people are talking about it. Um, I think my caveat is um, boxing in the Olympics. Um, which needs to come back and it needs to be strong, uh, in my view, um, because we need that part of the sport. But overall, it's been a great year for the sport. And I think we've got young American stars emerging uh, in Devon Haney. I mean, mega stars for the sport, like potential greatness. Um, Devon Haney, Shaka Stevenson, Tank Davis, Keyshawn Davis. Um, and it's in rude health in the UK. Yeah, I agree. I think a nine sums up perfectly. And if it wasn't for the fact that we missed out on the undisputed heavyweight titles uh, between obviously Fury and Usyk, I probably would have given it a ten. My only one sort of red mark on the sport, and it isn't the sport's fault. It's just how it works. Is that we didn't get a big event in Africa. Um, I, I'm desperate. I think I tweeted this out the other day. Like we've had events in Australia. We've had events obviously in the, in the Middle East. We we're both flying out there we, we've had events all over the world it seems uh, obviously in Japan with the new way and America in the UK I just feel like Africa's missing out on this big boxing event like something needs to go there even if it isn't a big one regular boxing needs to go there yeah I completely agree with you and, I, and I, I'm it's remiss of me because you know I'm a, a big fan fan of the development of combat sports in in on the African continent anyway yeah. I mean look how many amazing fighters of African descent we have in the world. I mean, without without Africa, where would we be in fight sports, frankly? But I do think with people like Francis Ngannou wanting to get involved in, in Africa, um, Israel Adesanya talks about it as well. There's a lot of fighters who are already established who who are, initial, who are originally in their bones, in their DNA are African who want to return to their countries and develop it. And I do agree with you. I think it's time that those things started to be developed. And I do think we need chaos in Lagos or, um, you know, what, what a new rumble, a new rumble in the jungle, let's put it that way, you know, uh, um, or a scrap on the savannah or wherever it's going to be, you know. Um, but I do, because there is so much, bottom line is, there's so much work to be done with fight sports on those continents that can inspire kids. And there's so many inspirational stories coming out of there that, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. I just thought this decade, Eastern Europe has become a big kind of um, flourishing, blossoming place for fighters, isn't it, as well? Um, but it is time. It is time for, for us to focus some attention on Africa. I think we'll get it over the next few years. Um, with uh, Francis Ngannou and others um, tapping into their resources to to develop the sport. Yeah, ho hopefully that is the case. As you say, there, there is so much sort of talent there that gets untapped. And by the time it comes over to America or the UK, I almost feel like the talent's washed a little bit. It'd be nice for them to get their own opportunity in 
Africa. Uh, we'll see. Uh, someone who got an opportunity on the weekend was Sonny Edwards against Bam Rodriguez, right, to find out who is the king of the flyweights. And Bam just showed that he is a level above Sonny, a pound-for-pound pound fighter. Um, and I think probably be a generational talent when it's all said and done as well. Um, before we talk about Bam specifically, uh, on Sonny, um, what did you make of Sonny's performance? Obviously got the fight, sold the fight, asked for the number one in the division, got it. Ultimately, though, fell short. Yeah, I mean, from my armchair, and it is very much from the armchair, I thought he fought the wrong fight. But, well, he did fight the wrong fight. And it, was an, it wasn't him that we're used to seeing. You look at those five world title fights he'd had before um, Jesse Rodriguez on Saturday night in Glendale, Arizona. And he didn't box like that. He moved. He was will-o'-the-wisp. He was elusive. Um, he, he, he made other fighters miss. He planted his feet from very early in this contest. And I wonder whether that was a strategy going in to try and get the respect of Bam Rodriguez early. And then he'd change his game plan and move. Obviously, he was affected by the eye um, being damaged in the second round. Um, I, I, he's not a guy that was making excuses afterwards. But in the course of the war, if you like, one of those skirmishes was the damage to the eye in the second round. I think, And I think it affected the way he fought. Um, and I also think he didn't listen at times to his corner who wanted him to move. But the bottom line is Bam Rodriguez made him fight his fight um, and, and dominated, you know, after four rounds all the way up to... I had it 88-82 when the referee... Uh, when, when he pulled himself out of the fight with, with his corner, um, given the, uh, the, the, the ninth round uh, knockdown. So, um, look, it, it, was, it was a performance which was disappointing for him but it was a good contest and it was compelling because we wondered at any point during the fight whether he would be able to change the pattern of it. But for me, I don't know how you felt about it. I thought he had the wrong game plan or was maybe just drawn into the wrong kind of fight for him. Yeah, I, I more the latter. I think um, he probably went in there hoping to be the elusive Sonny Edwards on the back foot, but ultimately realised, OK, this guy's got, he's almost too good. I've got to stand my ground a little bit. And ultimately, Bam was able to dictate his overall skill strength and skill set on uh, Sonny Edwards. And in the end, as I said, I think Bam now puts himself there as a pound for pounder. Um, and look, both will have good fights in 2024, but it's Bam that will go on to have the really good fights. Estrada, potentially, I know they're friends, but Chocolatito and maybe even moving up a division because he's obviously a very big, big boy. So but we'll talk about what what next for both. Uh, look, this show's got so much we need to try and cram into it. Uh, UFC uh, 296 is now in the books. Kobe Covington losing to Leon Edwards. Uh, away from the fight, I think we've both agreed that Kobe is a fantastic seller of fights, right? I mean, he's almost had to morph into this yeah. character to sell it because the UFC wouldn't give him a push when he was on this long winning run because he didn't sell fights. He went... Actually, let me ask you the question. Did he go too far in the build-up with regards to the remarks about Leon's dad? Or is that part and parcel of selling a fight? Oh, he definitely went too far um, in terms of... You, you don't want to talk ill of the dead ever. And um, mm. he, he, was, he was brutal um, with Leon Edwards. And for me, it was way below the belt. Even in the post-fight interview, Leon was broken 
talking about it. You know, he yeah. was breaking down. Yeah. He was very, very emotional. Obviously, it's a very emotional moment when someone's defended the belt and all the relief is there and all those things. Um, no, he, he went far. To, the, all the George Washington and the MAGA stuff and Donald Trump, mm. that's all fine. That's part of his shtick. That's fine. But but not that. And that's the way he does things. Um, but the, the the problem is, um, you 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 don't want to sell a fight um, and be crass. And he was crass. Um, and he was, as I said, it was it was it was an it was an evil act to do that. Um, and it because the the manner the manner in which Leon's father passed, it, maybe he didn't know how his dad had passed that and i suspect if he had known he wouldn't have gone there um you know covington is um is probably not going to fight for the title again ever he's probably going to fade away i mean that was a very poor performance by the way um you know it, it was stultifying at times uh, but maybe that's just credit to leon is now but uh, there's selling and there's and there's just being disgraceful and shameful. And I thought he was in the build-up to the fight, you know. I do Also, and I'm going to say it, because I said it on Saturday night as well, I didn't like the way Paddy Pimlet spoke about um, about Tony Ferguson going into the fight when he was interviewed by TNT Sports, where he said he wanted to hit him with so many elbows he'd give him more brain damage. I didn't like that either, yeah. and there's no need for it from Paddy, who's an incredible character, He's got a fantastic physique now, and and who was very good on Saturday night. He's bigger than that, and he's better than that. Yeah, I think Dana White addressed a lot of what happened on the weekend uh, because, uh, again, look, me and you like a bit of trash talk, right? I mean, it, it sells, uh, and we understand it. Uh, yeah. And there's been some good trash talkers in the UFC over the years. I mean, Chell Sonnen and Conor McGregor are two of the best. Uh, but I almost feel like it is now going overboard. Like Even Sean Strickland and... Uh, Duplessis and what they were saying towards each other. It's just like, we're, we're going too far. It's martial arts, it's respectful. That's what it's been built up as over the years. And now I feel like some of the athletes are taking it to a level where it's almost become uncomfortable. Yeah, I agree. And and obviously that boiled over into Strickland and Duplessis. I must have watched it 10 times because it keeps repeating itself on Instagram and Twitter of the, the scrap at cage side or octagon side between Strickland and Duplessis. And I don't know what Duplessis has been saying to Strickland off air, um, but he certainly was very unhappy about something because he climbed over two seats to to bash him five or six times, didn't he, before he was taken down and then taken out of the building. Um, it sells the fight. We want to see it now. Um, but uh, and, and, and that's the way it's done. But yeah, it's it's a little unsavory, but you know, listen, it's professional fight sports. It's it, it, the, the, it's particularly the incident with Colby Covington at the press conference that disturbed me this week. I think that was the worst of it, really. No, it was bad. Um, both of us are going to be making our way uh, to Saudi Arabia in the next or day or so. Obviously, day of reckoning, uh, a massive fight card to end what's been, as you say, a nine out of ten year. Um, what do you make of the trailer? The trailer was interesting. We've never seen anything like that. In, in fight sports before? Yeah, I mean, it was it was The Walking Dead, basically, wasn't it? The zombie time. It, it was fantastic. It's very creative. His Excellency Turkey al-Sheikh is a very creative, the, the uh, minister and, and uh, chairman of the General Entertainment Authority for the Riyadh season, is a very creative character. 
Um, he's a lyricist, isn't he? And he's a poet and he's involved in these kind of things. And I think they want to do things differently when they do things. And everyone's spoken about what fun it was working together. And I'm delighted to hear that as well. And, you know, as they get their makeup done to be ghouls and, and zombies, it's great to think that Frank Warren might have been having a chat with, I think they might have done it on separate days, but the Frank Warren is having a chat with Anthony Joshua or that Eddie Hearn's chatting to Deontay Wilder and Shelley Finkel and these guys. I love all that. I love the, the fact that it's a melting pot at the moment and we're really going to experience that um, on the day of reckoning in, in five, five days' time out in, in Saudi Arabia. All right, you're listening to find that extra on TalkSport 2 still to come, we are going to hear from Deontay Wilder ahead of his fight with Joseph Parker this weekend. We'll also talk AJ versus Otto Bollin as well. But up next, we are going to pick the bones out of Sonny Woods' defeat this weekend. The flyweight uh, valiant in defeat against Jesse Bam Rodriguez. Welcome back. You're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth A. Davis. A big unification fight on the weekend in the flyweight division. Number one versus number two in many people's eyes. Jesse Bam Rodriguez versus Sonny Edwards. And it is Jesse Bam Rodriguez that got the victory. Uh, and to an extent, after rounds three or four, started to dominate the fight. Um, put Sonny Edwards down and in the end, the corner. And I think Sonny Edwards decided enough was enough. Um, how good was Bam... And how maybe wrong did Sonny get it tactically? I think they might have underestimated. He didn't say it afterwards, but I think he might have underestimated the power of Bam Rodriguez. And, you know, for a flyweight, wow, he hits hard. That's his 12th stoppage in 21 fights, I think. Or no, it might be, yeah. No, no, it's his 12th stoppage in, in 19, I think it is now. Yes. Because um, he yeah. was 18 with 11, wasn't he? Um, to, to have that level of stoppage is, is starting to get to the kind of Inui levels, um, you know, and, and whether whether he has a challenge that in that direction at some point will be fascinating to see. He's still only 23, Bam Rodriguez. He's a baby face, isn't he, in lots of ways? Um, but mm. I think the problem for... It's the hubris that, um, that, that Sonny Edward faced because he did all that talking in the build-up you avoided me. You ran from me. So as as he rightly said on on Sunday uh, when he put out his, his statements and so on on social media, um, have a go at me now, people. I know I've set myself up for a fall. And it, there was that hubris there and he did have the fall. But I just think the BAM was brilliant at cutting off the corners. You said it just now in the lead up uh, when we first came on the show today that Bam was just technically too good. He cut the corners off early. And I think, as you say, when Sonny Edwards got in there, Addy, he realised that he was going to have to stand and fight this guy and get his respect. And he was drawn into a Bam Rodriguez fight, not not a Sonny Edwards elusive will-of-the-wisp moving contest. I always feel in sort of the big fights, right, the best versus the best, obviously it's skills that pay the bills, but I also also think size plays a big part as well. And I've realized in a couple of fights recently, I think we all saw the stats of how much Regis Progre, um, sorry, how much Devin Haney put on after the weigh-in against Regis Progre. Devin Haney, that fight was at 140 for our listeners, and Devin Haney walks into the ring at 165. So he put 25 pounds on. 
And I'd be curious to know how much Jesse Van Rodriguez put on overnight as well, because he looked massive. He looked, honestly, he looked, he looked a lot bigger than Sonny. I think Sonny realised that in the ring as well. And I'm not trying yeah. to say that that yeah. played a, a massive factor in the fight, because, again, technically, I think Jesse just a bit too good. But size must play a big part. When, when guys walk into the ring and it's a 50-50 fight, but then in the ring, they're almost two weight classes apart. I almost feel like science is winning the battle here as well as boxing skills. Yeah, and, and age, by the way, and youthfulness. Mm. I mean, you mentioned yeah. Devin Haney there. He's 24. You mentioned Bam Rodriguez. He's 23. And I think mm. you can weight drain a lot easier when you're younger in that sense if you've got the right kind of body. They won't be able to do that in their late 20s. They can do it in their early 20s. Yeah. I think that's one factor. Um, and... Sonny is a natural flyweight. Um, Regis Progre is a natural 10-stoner, 140-pounder. And we saw that in the size difference when they actually mm. fill out, when they become natural, when they're not kind of living like jockeys, if you, if you know what I mean, and, and having to diet all the time and lose all that weight. There's weight divisions for a reason. It's, it's an old saying in boxing, but it's so true. And, you know, a good... Big and beats a good little and is another saying. And that's what we're seeing yeah. in these fights. Um, or or two, two extraordinary um, big uns beating two extraordinary little ones. Um, I think w what we're witnessing, and this is why I give, give, I've given the year a 9 out of 10, we're witnessing the emergence, at least in America, which we needed, of a group of names that need to sustain the sport there as mixed martial arts becomes as big as boxing is there. It's not as big as that here. It's not as big in other parts of the world. But, um, you know, when you've got... Bam Rodriguez can go up to Superfly um, and maybe even to Bantam um, at some point. Yeah. You know, maybe Agreed. he's got that. But Agreed, I really yeah. want to see him fight those big fights now. Um, Estrada, definitely. Um, Chocolatito. But the signs were there. I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but he'd beaten... Um, uh, saw Rungvisai, hadn't he? Who had beaten Chocolatito, yeah. I think, once rather than twice. Um, and he'd stopped Rungvisai as well, um, had, had Bam. And I think when you've got that kind of power as a little guy, when you've got that kind of um, strength to be able to walk through someone else's punches, because let's be fair, Sonny hits him with everything he's got as well. He's hittable, Bam. So, you know, it was... It, like you say, levels. It, they were different levels. I don't think they'll fight again, these two. I do not think they'll meet again. No, no. I, I think, as you say, I think Bam goes and it's Estrada and potentially, as you say, Bantamweight, maybe even higher. I remember I did the face-off and I could see he's, he walks around at a very high weight class and he's young and he will grow out of that weight class very, very soon as well. And for Sonny, I mean, Potentially, there's Julio Cesar Martinez. A bit of get back for that fight against Charlie Edwards. He's out there as well. Sonny might want to go up to Superfly. So, and if you're Eddie as well, you look at someone like a Sonny Edwards, and it must be a bit of a promoter's dream. I know he might be hard to deal with, but he's a guy that gets the fight and sells a fight, and then gets in there on American soil and delivers. He puts on a fight as well, so he must be good to work with. And if you're Eddie, you're thinking, okay, let, let's get him some big more fights as well. Yeah, and they're also talking about Galalia Fai, aren't they, in the UK, which it is a great fight. I mean, is there a conversation to be had here about that? I'm happy you, you said Galal because I forgot about 
the Janae Bostons and Peter McGrell getting stopped on that card as well. Yeah. There, there was a time, you, you obviously watch, you know, you used to cover football. There was a time over here in football about 20 years ago where they started bringing over a lot of foreign coaches because they thought maybe the standard of English coaching wasn't where it needs to be. And now, obviously, the foreign coaches dominate the Premier League. Is there, is there a wider question about the standard of coaching over here? I think we've got some fantastic coaches, but we are seeing a lot of our top fighters now going to American coaches. And I was watching some of our best British talent, future talent coming up. So again, Galau Yafai, who got hit a lot, Peter McGraw getting stopped. And is there a concern about the level of coaching in this country? Um, no, I don't think so. I think there's, um, it's very strong at an amateur level. Too strong? Too strong at amateur level? That the fighters then focus and stay very amateurish. Oh, it's a possible argument. Um, I think people's styles um, either lend themselves to, to the pro game or not. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's, a, it's a really big subject, um, um, coaches and trainers. I mean, British fighters have always travelled to America um, if many of them like to um, try the different styles, spar different styles. I think, if anything, what, what there is, there's a bigger melting pot in places like America. More Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Eastern Europeans are also there. Um, and so, so if you go mm. to Las Vegas or Los Angeles or New York or, 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 or Boston or Philadelphia, there's different gyms there or Oakland. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's something that pops up every now and again. And, you know, Amir Khan, um, well, obviously went to Los Angeles and I remember spending a lot of time around Freddie Roach and, and Manny Pacquiao. Um, a lot of British boxers have gone to, um, Virgil Hunter in, in Oakland. Mm. Um, you know, when you think about Steve Collins, uh, and others who who worked out in America as well. Um, I think it's always been a. I think it's just a, a matter of Buddy McGirt. A lot of fighters have worked with. Um, I just think it's a matter of what you favour. Bo McIntyre, I suppose, as well at the moment with with Chris Eubank Jr. I think it, I think it's people just trying a different flavour uh, more than anything. But I don't think there's anything wrong or there's a lack of of substance in, in, in our gyms and trainers in this, in this country. Um, you know, you can say the opposite in a way that, you know, uh, Anthony Joshua went to work with Derek James, but now he's working with Ben Davison. Um, yeah. So he's actually come back to a British coach, Adam Booth, Joe Gallagher, Jamie Moore, um, the Tibbs. Um, I mean, there's so many great trainers in the UK and remiss of me of the ones I've forgotten just there. There's loads of great trainers in the UK. Um, you know, Grant Smith. Grant Smith was giving great advice to Sonny Edwards at the weekend, by the way. But Sonny wasn't listening to him. I don't know if you recall that. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I do. I do. I think it's a good question. I think it's one that we need to explore because at the moment... We do only yeah. have three world champions in this country. Um, Joe Cordina, Crispin Smith, and Tyson Fury. There was a time, uh, and it could be a case of, you know, more doesn't mean better. But, I mean, I, I do think there should be something uh, there, and we can explore it again uh, later on down the line. All right, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2 still to come. We are going to look ahead to this weekend's Mammoth card, and it is a Mammoth card in Saudi Arabia in detail. We're going to look at fights 
for Daniel Dubois, Dimitri Bibble and Jaya Pattaya. But up next, we are going to talk AJ and Wilder and we're going to hear from the Bronze Bomber as well. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. December 23rd, there is a day of reckoning in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. This is historical. The event on December 23rd is the best event I've ever seen in the sport of boxing. People talking about our peaks have never even seen what a peak looks like in their whole career, so I don't know what they're talking about, number one. Man of my word, I stand firm on what I believe, and I believe I'm going to be three-time heavyweight champion of the world. Harlan now is really going looking for Fury. Harlan is really trying to rough Fury up. He knows that he's vulnerable. He knows that he can lose. He's fighting now, not to lose, instead of fighting to win. It just shows you when you want to make fights, when you have a vision, we can get it done. You know why we're doing it? We're doing it for the fans. What a shot! Joseph Parker! You want to be involved in the biggest and the best fights, and, and the only way to fight for a title, fight for a world title, is to fight the best fights out there. Brady's oh in it, and Severn goes down in round one with that laser right hand from Wilder. I always say women lie, men lie, but numbers don't lie. I am the hardest punch in boxing history. Every guy I've faced, I've knocked out and put on the canvas. So I'm very dangerous. May the best man win when it comes to the day of reckoning on December 23rd. Welcome back. You're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Of myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis. Huge card uh, this weekend, December 23rd, uh, live on the zone as well. is Day of Reckoning. And it's the heavyweights, a lot of heavyweights. We're going to focus on that for now. There are lower weight guys there as well. I do want to focus on the heavyweights. AJ versus Otto Volin and Wilder versus Joseph Parker. Have we established who is walking... As the main event yet, Gareth? I mean, has that been confirmed? Uh, it hasn't, and, and I don't think they're bothered. I think when I spoke to Frank Warren on Saturday night, Eddie, he was saying that there's uh, potential to look at it given the timings in America. Um, now, obviously, 
Um, I suppose the later, the better for America, um, for the American audience. But um, mm. also Deontay wasn't too bothered either about who walks last. But for me, maybe there's more, maybe there's slightly more jeopardy in Anthony Joshua. So maybe that will be the final fight of the night. Um, if I yeah. was Anthony Joshua, I wouldn't want to be the final fight of the night. You know, I'd like to go in, get the job done and sit ringside and watch Deontay Wilder and Parker. Well, what would you want to yeah. do? No, it's a great point. Especially now there is this rumour about AJ versus Deontay Wilder already being done for March. I'd rather, if I'm AJ, co-main event, get in there, do my job, feet up, and watch Deontay Wilder and see if he can come through Joseph Parker. Oh, you mentioned AJ there. Obviously, look, um, it is a new trainer. We just spoke about it. I say new trainer. I spoke to Derek James in America and, he says, you know, ties haven't been severed between him and AJ. They are still working with each other, but that Ben Davison will lead this camp. What would you make of that? Another new trainer for AJ. Um, you know, in the last four fights, we've seen Rob McCracken, we've seen Robert Garcia, we've seen Derek James, and now we've seen Ben Davison. It's a lot. That's a lot of trainers. It is. He, he, he's, he's desperately seeking something. I don't do desperately, but I'm, I'm using that as a term. Um... My, I hear very good things about the relationship between Ben Davison and Anthony Joshua. It doesn't surprise me. And knowing Ben as I do, um, the work he's done in the past with so many other boxers and the care he brings to boxers and his knowledge, um, I could see them gelling. I could see them working a lot together. Um, I've had a little whisper with Ben before they left for, um, for Riyadh. And Joshua's looked very, very good in camp. Um, this is a fight he should win. He can win. He's got to impose himself. Um, he's got to compose himself as well. He's, he wants to get better as a technical boxer. Um, he's better technically than he was, but we all want the wrecking ball fighter back. That's the problem. Um, we want the guy that goes in there and destroys. And if he can find a combination of both against Otto Valin, He'll have done very well because Valin has looked decent in the heavyweight division, um, a decent contender. Um, only that loss to Tyson Fury, which made his name for those 47 stitches for Fury. But um, yeah, I think we need to see something significant from Joshua. And I think I think he will do it. And But I think he's got to go out there and, and throw some combinations and open himself up a little. Bit, but just believe in himself. Um, that's the key. If he can believe in himself, believe in his ability. Um, and we always find ourselves saying this about Anthony. I know you interview him a lot for DAZN. Um It's not a criticism to say believe in himself. It's just an observation. We want him to succeed yeah. so badly because we want to see these mega fights and see him involved in the Deontay Wilder fight, the Tyson Fury fight. We all want to see it. Yeah, no, agreed. And I always make a point of saying that to AJ as well. Like, we're not critiquing you. It's almost a case of just wanting and hoping for you to succeed and, again, be in those super fights because that's what we want as a fight fan. And that's what AJ wants, surely, is to be in those super fights. What One, I guess, credit we do have to give AJ this year is that this is his third fight in, I think, nine months, which is very rare, as you know, at the top table of boxing. For someone to be that busy, it just doesn't happen. We're used to seeing AJ fight not even twice a year. So for him to have three fights in, in nine or eight months, it is a good thing. 
Absolutely. And uh, we should applaud him for that. And it's a sign that he wants to be busy and get better. I don't think we'll see him fight more than twice next year, though. Um, but uh, as Wilder has revealed to me um, in the last week, uh, it's it's either going to be Nganu or Joshua next year, but hopefully for him both. All right, let's hear that interview. This is uh, Gareth A. Davis speaking to the bronze bomber Deontay Wilder a few days ago. This is what both had to say. Are you looking to steal the show, though, on December the 23rd with that spectacular knockout? Is that the fight? Oh, man. Is that the, the impact make? I'm just, I'm just, you know, Garrett, I'm just looking to uh, put on a great performance. You know, I, I, I'm not looking to steal anything. You know, I don't steal nothing. You know, I, I, I earn everything that I have, you know. Um, so I'm not looking to steal anything. You know, it, it, the proof is in the pudding and, it, and, and every, everything is going to gonna lay where, where, where it stands. You know what I mean? And um, I'm just looking to put on a great performance for the, uh, my, for my debut in Saudi Arabia. That's it. No more, no less. You know, uh, everything else has just come with me. The excitement, the explosive knockouts. You know, the, the the explosive punches, all that just come with me. You know, that ain't something that I have to make myself do and try to perform for people. That's something that I naturally naturally do. So, you know, I'm just I'm just excited to be I'm just excited to be a part of this and um I'm just looking for a devastating knockout and and an amazing fight. Have you visualized a certain round where you're gonna get the job done? Yeah, many many times. I mean, throughout the fight, you know, uh, I don't think this is gonna be a a, a long drawn out fight. If you ask me, you know, um, I think it's gonna be over with before you know it. Uh, I'm a type of fighter that you you sit on the edge of your seat because you don't know what's gonna happen. But when it happened, bam, baby, and um, that's the thing that everyone knows me as. You know, you got to be ready when wild to fight. You can't go to the bathroom, can't go get nothing to eat can't you can't even sit and talk you can't you can't turn your head and talk to your neighbor because at any given moment at any given time it can be over with and um i always tell people you don't want to be the ones that asking your neighbors that's close to you what happened when you could have been paying attention and watch for yourself deontay wilder um i have to admit my fondness for him has grown over the years maybe it's a case of Absence makes the heart grow fonder. We've not seen him in the ring for so long. I, I always will applaud how he took on Tyson Fury in that third fight where he put on a bit more size. Said, you know what, we're just going to have a scrap here. We're, you know, And I want to see him succeed. I'm a massive fan of Joseph Parker. But I want to see Deontay Wilder succeed because I'm desperate for the AJ fight. And I always feel bad when I say this because I'm a big fan of Parker. I'm a big fan of Andy Lee. But I'm a bigger fan, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm a bigger fan of Deontay Wilder. Yeah, I mean, he talks so well. One round in 26 months since that trilogy, thrilling trilogy uh, contest in Las Vegas. But he hasn't been idle. He's been on this uh, ayahuasca retreat, uh, taking psychedelic uh, drugs in Costa Rica, where he says it's transformed him um, and made him a happier person. And more sensitive person, his wife Telly Swift tells him, a not so sensitive that he said he's getting preparing, he's getting prepared for the killing time against uh, Joseph Parker. <laughs> if that's a more sensitive way of putting it, um, 
but he, yeah, he, he, I've always been a fan of Deontay from the minute I met him. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever been down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama as well to visit him in camp. It's fascinating down there. Um, he's a great character. He's outspoken. Um, he's got amazing energy. That's the, what, what happened mm. when you're with Deontay, the energy gives off is amazing in my view. Um, he says he hasn't been idle in that time away and that um, he, ha- he might not have been in the ring, but he's been in the gym. Um, there's a hunger about him still, I think, even at 38, 39 next year, to want these big fights. And he's been waiting for them. He, he had the promise of fights in Saudi Arabia. Obviously, it was going to be AJ uh, at one point. But I do think we'll see those two in a ring, hopefully, in March next year if they come through their fights. I, I think he's a, I see him as quite a significant favourite against Joseph Parker. You look at his record, 42 knockouts in 43 wins. Everyone he's fought, he's put on the canvas. Everyone, every single person he has fought, he has knocked down. Obviously, he hasn't beaten Tyson Fury. And uh, Bermain Stiverne, uh was a points win, but then he knocked him out the second time. He's a, he's a formidable athlete with incredible power and I think still an amazing level of self-belief, especially given what he's gone through twice against Tyson Fury. Yeah, I um, I have um, AJ Ottavolin 65-35 AJ in terms of my percentages, who's going to win. And I've got um, Wilder 80-20 for Parker. What about you for both of those? That's quite rough on Joseph Parker. I mean, I I think... Uh, well, it's, it's just a punch power, isn't it, of Wilder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Joseph's got to be very clever in this fight. I mean, he might be seven rounds up. You, you, you can't write off. You can't write off, um, by the way, Joseph Parker hurting Wilder at some point. If Wilder no, no, has yeah, taken, yeah, yeah, we, we we haven't seen him in a dogfight for two and a half years, two, two and a bit years. He is in his late thirties. I mean, athletically, he looks amazing to me still. But um, don't write off the ability of Joseph Parker to do things. Obviously, he's not a fighter that goes after his opponent. He's got a rhythm in there. But I just see the styles here. I just see Deontay landing that big right hand at some point. Um, and and I see it probably around seven or eight, um, and I just I just see Wilder as a big favourite in this fight. Same as you, I'm a big fan of Joseph Parker as well. Um, I'd love to see him win as well for him and for Andy Lee, um, but at the same time, um, I would like to see uh, Joshua and Wilder fight next year. Yeah, next year, March, we're hearing, fingers crossed, both of those fighters can get over the line on Saturday. All right, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, we're going to look at the rest of Saturday night's card. Welcome back. You're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Let's now look at the rest of Saturday night's card. We've spoken about AJ versus Otto Volume. We've spoken about... Uh, Wilder versus Parker. There are still uh, so many other good fights on the card as well, including, I think, the best light heavyweight on the planet. Some people might argue and say that that guy is Arthur Baturbiev, and you could be right, but I think it's Dimitri Bivol. He takes on Lyndon Arthur. Um, very, very tough ask this one for Lyndon Arthur, but 
Um, you know, activity is a big thing in boxing, and this is Dimitri Bivol's first fight this year. But surely Dimitri Bivol gets this one done and then sits on the sidelines and waits for the winner of Baturbia versus Smith, which will only be a few weeks later. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a fight again that we're looking forward to in 2024, Addy, is uh, if it happens, um, if, if I, as you say, if Arta Baturbia comes through Callum Smith in Quebec City, uh, in January, I'm going to that one as well. Uh, really looking forward to that. Um, uh, well, look, Lyndon Arthur was limping around a little bit um, at the press conference as well in London when the day of reckoning was announced, and he said he was fine. It was just a, a minor injury. Um, I just I see Lyndon Arthur potentially going 12 rounds with Bivol because Bivol is very comfortable in there and, and fights within his own skin. Doesn't overstretch himself technically he's very very gifted I agree with you he's he is potentially the number one but I'd love to see that fight between he and better Beev next year or Smith Callum Smith mm. um but I just think Bivol's too clever too smart fights within himself incredibly efficient um and I see a wide points decision for Bivol or if he really wants to go for it, a late stoppage. Yeah, if he wants to turn it up on Lyndon Arthur, he can. But again, he, he's so comfortable just cruising to a points decision. But it'd be nice to see him actually go through the gears and really make a statement to the rest of the division. All right, this fight is the one that I think a lot of people are calling potentially fight of the night. No one can seem to pick a winner here. And that's Daniel Dubois versus Jarrell Miller. It's not a fight we ever predicted we'll see. It's not a fight that we've thought of. And now it's here. It's very exciting. It is exciting to see. I've absolutely no idea how this fight plays out. Yeah, well, um, I see Gerald Miller is already helping himself to um, the big buffet in the Seven Star Hotels in uh, in Riyadh. Um, he's a big boy. I mean, he's probably going to be 300 pounds plus when he steps in there um, on Saturday night. Um, I've stuck my neck on the block for this one. I think Gerald Miller is a much better boxer than people realise and give him credit for. And I think unless Daniel Dubois can impose himself on Gerald Miller, I think I think Miller wins this fight. And I think he wins it by stoppage in around seven, six, seven, eight rounds. I just think Daniel Dubois, as I say, if Daniel Dubois gets stuck into Gerald Miller early, I think he could put him away. But the longer the fight goes, the worse for him. Um, so I'm going Gerald Miller. It's a 50-50 fight. Um, but I just think that Miller has got a second lease of life there's people that believe he shouldn't even be in the ring obviously because of yeah. his positive drug, drugs tests in the past um and the kind of drugs that he's taken but uh he seems to have turned the corner in his life in that sense um yeah and i'm going gerald miller i don't know about you yeah i think it's a 50 50 fight up until round five and then i almost feel like daniel dubois unfortunately starts to peel away a little bit and i, I think if gerald miller is anything like the gerald miller of old where we know how many punches he used to throw around, then I expect Jarrell Miller to come through. And I do think that mentally he's already got under Daniel Dubois' skin and he's going to do it all week as well. He's super confident. He now sees that there are massive fights out there for him. Like, I think we are going to see AJ Jarrell Miller for some reason. And that's the carrot being dangled in front of him. So I expect Jarrell Miller to stop Daniel Dubois late in that fight. Uh, Jai Pattaya versus Ellis Zora. Obviously, there's an interesting background story that I'm sure you're aware of with the IBF's basically saying they're going to strip Opatai if he fights Elis Zorro. Um, Joe Opatai said, I'm fighting, almost stuck middle finger up to the IBF, which, look, I mean, 
ultimately, it's about winning belts and making sure you, you cash in. Jarpatai has won the IBF. Now it's time to cash in, so I don't blame him. But what do you make of the IBF saying that you have to fight Marius Breda so we're stripping you? Well, I mean, Ellis Soro, I remember when this fight was announced, he's not in the top 15 with the IBF, so they're, they're perfectly within their rights to do so. But like yeah. you say, the, the, the swiveling digit back at them is, is one of those things that um, this is professional boxing and money talks. Um, it's a yeah. business as much as it is a sport. And it's, I mean, if he doesn't want the glory here of the belt, what he wants is to earn, arguably, maybe he's earning three times as much as he would if he was fighting outside uh, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So it's a clear indication that um, it's about earning potential when you get to that level. I don't think um, he'll be too bothered about not having the IBF title because Jaya Pattaya, if he beats Ellis Zorro, which I think he will, I, think, I don't think Zorro has the wherewithal to beat Pattaya, who, if he's in good shape afterwards, may well go into camp with Tyson Fury uh, for his sparring uh, against uh, in, in training for uh, Alexander Usyk on February the 17th. Um, but he's out there. Chris Billum-Smith, Richard Riakpour, um, Badu Jack, all these guys, they'll all want to face uh, Opatia or not face Opatia, but he, it's, it's not going to be difficult for him to get into world title fights, even without a belt. Yeah, three other heavyweight title fights or title, sorry, three other heavyweight fights on the card. Hergovic versus Mark Demore, Aslan Bakmakmudov versus Agit Kabiel, which could be an incredible fight, and Frank Sanchez versus Junior Far. I don't want to complain because we've been given so much, but it is a shame that we're not just seeing Hergovic versus Frank Sanchez, but I'm asking for too much. It's a great fight card. Again, myself and Gareth will be out there and we'll be looking back on it next week where we round up not just that fight card, but the whole year as well. Hopefully we give out some awards, fighter of the year, knockout of the year. And that is it. What a year it has been in boxing. And let's hope that we can round it out with a fantastic event in Saudi Arabia. Gareth, I'll see you out there, my man. And we'll catch you all guys next week. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.